He knows me well enough to make that assessment, so I'm going to ask him to come and preach at this time. <laughs> Joshua chapter 18. Wasn't, wasn't, that, wasn't that update awesome? It's so good. So thankful. We, we tried to be. We tried to be very deliberate and intentional about the missionaries that we align ourselves with and join with, and that's what we want to be happening. And I'm so thankful for their faithfulness and for their desire to, to be invested in the work of God. Pray for their family. I mean, it, these, these transitions, Melina, I was, I was going to mention this tonight, but I'll mention it. I'll just go ahead and say it now. Melina is heading back to school at West Coast, and she was a blessing this summer. Devin and Adam are heading back to Pensacola this week. And so this is their last Sunday for a while, and they're doing a good job in school there and excited about that. And uh, then Karina is going to Massachusetts, and she's starting the next chapter of her life. And so a whole lot of movement going on with families. And as you grow, those processes are exciting, but it can be challenging too. And so when the Lord brings them to your mind, pray for them. But pray, pray for Brother Mark and his family as they're going through that and just for the Lord to bless, uh, bless that transition. All right, Joshua chapter 18, Joshua 18, verse number 1. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. Okay, I'll mention this again, but just have it in your mind. This is significant because the tabernacle breaking up and tearing down has been going on for 40 years. And when the presence of God would move, they'd break down the tabernacle and they would follow God. And they've been in a constant state of movement. But now they're assembled in their land. And the tabernacle is being set up. It's not the temple. The temple would be prepared for by David. It would be built by Solomon. But it's being set up in a place where it's going to be. Get this. You ready? I love this. Their home. Their home. That's important to understanding the point. It's good. Notice the next sentence. And the land was subdued before them. Then verse 2, we see a transition. Verse number 1 is amazing, but then there's a transition in verse 2. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Notice Joshua, his response. And remember that Joshua was charged by God to divide the land among the children of Israel, but he, he confronts the leadership of these seven tribes. And notice what he says, how long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? Give out from among you three men for each tribe, and I will send them and they shall rise and go through the land and describe it according to the inheritance of them, and they shall come again to me, and they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall abide in their coast on the south, and the house of Joseph shall abide in their coast on the north. Ye shall therefore describe the land into seven parts, and bring the description hither to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord our God." But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. And the men arose and went away. And Joshua charged them what they were supposed to do. Look back at verse number three. Joshua asked them this question. How long are ye slack? To go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you. You remember verse number one, the land is subdued. They already possess it. It's so subtle, but they've gotten slack already. Simple thought for a title. Tighten up. You've made progress. But sometimes in the midst of great progress, we can get really, really lax. And that has its own destructive consequences. 
tighten up. You may be seated. Thanks for standing. Brother Nate's going to sing, and then we'll get to the message. Sometimes I wonder what he can do through me. No great success to show, no glory of my own. Yet in my weakness, he is there to let me know. His grace is greater when I strength is gone. He'll carry us when we can't carry on. Raised in his power, the weak become strong. His grace is perfect. His grace is can only know the power that he shows when we truly see how deep our weakness goes his strength in us begins when ours comes to an end when he hears our humble cry and proves again his grace is perfect when our strength is gone he'll carry us when we can't carry on raised in his power the weak become strong his is a blessing. So thankful for the sufficiency of his grace. Pray, that's, a, that's an encouragement, Brother Nate. Praise the Lord for, for that song. A chalk line is a tool that you use in construction to mark a straight line. When you, I've seen it used um, on floors when you're doing work on floors. seen it used when you're cutting a piece of plywood. Maybe you don't have a level or, a, or some kind of square that goes the full length of the board, and so you mark the board at the right point on two sides of it, and then one person, or one person if they're capable enough, um, you put the chalk line on one end of it, and then you bring it to the other end, and, and then you pop the line, and it allegedly <laughs> makes a straight line, again, depending on the proficiency of the people popping the line. And so I've, I've had opportunity to, to help people run chalk lines and, and make marks. And I've heard this statement several times, tighten up that line. No, it, it, needs, it needs to be tighter. No, you're in the right spot and you're holding it where it needs to be held, but the line's just too loose. Have you ever tried to pop a loose chalk or a slack chalk line? It doesn't do anything. And like, it's just like a cat playing with yarn. No, it needs to be tight so that it, so that it makes the proper mark. And so when, I'm, when I've had opportunity to help with a chalk line and, and then I hear that tighten it up, it, it, it means that you need to apply greater tension to it. You, you're holding on to the right thing, but you're, you're holding it too loosely. You've gotten a little slack with it 
and, and you need to make sure that you've got the right grip on it and you, and you have the right amount of tension on it. The whole congregation, as we read in the text, has assembled together and they have made amazing progress. Please don't lose sight of that. It's so important this morning. They, they, they're assembled together and after, after decades, literally decades, watching generations from 21 years old and upwards, save Joshua and Caleb, watching generations pass off the scene under the judgment of God. They are, they are in the promised land, and now they're assembled together at Shiloh, and they're setting up the tabernacle. The, the tabernacle was not God, but the tabernacle was where God put his presence as a reminder to them, the pillar of fire and the pillar of a cloud. And, and anytime the, the presence of God would remove, they would know it's time to pack up and it's time to follow him. But now the tabernacle is being set up. And it's a testament to this. We, I know I've already said it, but I, you got to get this. We're home after, after wandering for 40 years after being on the move for, for over 40 years, you count the time of preparation out of Egypt, and, and then you go through all these battles. Man, we are, we are, finally, we are finally home. Although Alex made this statement. She's primarily lived in, in three places. Um, she, her early years were all spent in Louisiana. Um, then, then she was in Oklahoma on staff, when I was on staff there, and now... Um, we're here in Idaho, and this is her statement, just in the conversations you have with kids. And in, in every place we've been is so meaningful to us and important to us. And people that we love in Louisiana, people that we love in Oklahoma, you've met some of them and love Pastor Hardy, and he'll be back to preach again next year, the Lord willing. I love, love so many different people. But Alex has said this to me, I've never felt more at home than I do here. Just home. It's amazing when you feel that way. Driving, we left Thursday. Andrea stayed to help Alex get settled in on campus. And, and I and the kids, we left out on Thursday and then did what I do. And so we got, we got here about three in the afternoon on Friday. And man, I just, there's a point when it starts to, you're like, oh man, we're almost, are you ready? Home. I basically... Okay, I'm not saying I do this, but I feel like our vehicles are like old horses. All I got to do is get you pointed in the right direction and close my eyes and we're going to get there. I, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> now, when I'm driving all night, I have to fight against that, but I don't. I don't, I don't do that. But man, you, you just, you, you take... You, you, you take the route and you go down, into, you go down in, into Utah and then you cut over into Wyoming and there's just so many markers because of the route that we've gone so often and then you come back this way and then you just, you, can, you, get, in, you get past Burnley and then you, you get to Twin Falls and you can begin to see some of the mountain range that runs into the Boise foothills and, and I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I, it's home and I love it. Like, this is my home. For No, this. This is my home. And I start thinking about the geographical characteristics and God always brings to mind. And it's just in my heart. And we start talking about it. This place and, and these people. And, and this is home. And I love it. I love coming home. Here. I'm talking about here. Okay. okay you're, whatever. I'll move on. I'll move on. But please, please get this. They hadn't had a home, and now they do. It's amazing. The tabernacle is set up. The, the evidence of God's blessing and his presence with them is being, is being put in a, in a central location where all of God's people are going to have access to it and where the, the work of ministering before the Lord and making intercession for his people and the sacrifices and the different things that have been implemented by God, they can be carried out. And, and they know now that it's not going to be carried out in a different location. And remember when we were here and remember when we were there and we did this sacrifice there. And all of these sacrifices took place at different times in different places. But now it's set up and they are home. Not only that, Notice this in verse number one, we already talked about it. The land was subdued before them. We, we've dealt with how there were still some, um, there, there were still influences that hadn't been fully dealt with in the way that they needed to be. 
but the primary battles, the majority of them have already been fought. Get it? They are victorious. They're not just home, but they are victoriously home. We, this is, this is our land. Now look, that offends a lot of people today in this culture. And I'm not trying to make any, any points here. I just want to remind you of what the Bible says about the previous inhabitants. You can go into Leviticus and see this. You can go into Numbers and see this. That it was because of their wickedness that God removed them. God even told the nation of Israel that it's not, it's not that you're some great people. You were nothing and I've made you something. But the inhabitants of this previous land were wicked before me and they're evil, sacrificing their own children and other kinds of immoral depravity. It was so bad that the land spewed them out. God doesn't owe anyone an apology for what he did here. And you don't need to feel like you got to explain it and justify it to a godless culture that wants to criticize and attack everything that they are themselves at times guilty of. Just understand that God was right here in what he did. And so he establishes this, he establishes them in this land. And, and I, just, I just want you to get this picture. It's so beautiful. The tabernacle is set up. The enemies are subdued. The opposition has been vanquished. We've gone through battle after battle and seen victory after victory. There have been some defeats, not because God failed them, but because they failed to seek God and to follow him the way that they should have. They allowed some sin into their lives and there were consequences for that. But God dealt with it. God forgave them. God removed them from from it and God continued to bless them so they are home and they have victory the land is subdued before them you know what's amazing about that number one it's amazing that they have made obvious progress and so you've got to work to imagine this and remember it but they've wondered for 40 years They've now reached this place where they've been successful over and over and they've begun to divide the land and they are enjoying, they are enjoying amazing successes that their forefathers never realized because of their faithful, faithlessness. It's amazing. The progress that is represented in verse number one of chapter 18. Amazing progress. Can I, listen, I know, I know we fight the weariness, and I, and I get that, but, but can you just, just think in your own life, can you think about how God has helped you make progress in the last few years of your life? Can you remember 10, 15, 20 years ago, those of you that asked if you've been saved longer than 30 years, can you remember back several decades your life before the Lord came into it or your life before you got serious or you went through some valleys and you made some bad decisions or you just had some things happen to you and you went through some hard times? Can you see the progress? Can you think about ways that God has helped your life? Can you remember it? No, can you think about it right now? Can you just let your mind go back to different milestones where God, in, in, in a figurative sense, his tabernacle was set up in your life and you saw him work and you saw him help and you had some ups and you had some downs, but then God brought you through those and he helped you make progress. Can you think about some habits that used to own you and some of you have been set free from alcohol, you've been set free from addictions of a sexual nature, you've, your attitudes have been changed. Can you think about the progress that God has helped you make in your life. The enemies that have been subdued. You think about it. It's amazing. He, look, this is a credit to him. This is just lifting up Jesus. Can you think about how God has helped you make progress in your life when he brought you to this church? Man, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of this because this isn't my show. Jesus is the shepherd this church belongs to him. And I'm not sorry for this. I want this to be a place where people want to be, where people know God is speaking, where people are being helped by being here. No, it's not a perfect place, but I do believe God is working in this place. And when people show up, I want them to know, man, something's going on. These people are excited about him. They're excited about each other. Seems like God is moving. There's teaching from many different people and preaching that is helping me. Wasn't it great how God spoke through Brother Adam last Sunday? Praise the Lord for it. On Wednesday, the Thomases, Dave and Tina led the class, and, and that was great. Man, I'm just, I'm just thankful. Isn't it great? Can you remember what it was like to come here and then to realize, man, it seems like God is working here, and my life has been helped as a result of being here. Man, it's amazing. Yeah, it's good. You shouldn't take that for granted. I'm, I'm thankful for it. I'm just, I'm amazed. 
at the goodness and the grace and the work of God, how he will work in our hearts and he'll work through the, the effort. And, and I agree with Brother Nate's song. Man, I have, I have nothing to offer the Lord except just to be humble before him and obedient. And it's amazing what he does when we follow him. Amazing progress has been made. Not perfection. Please, listen, please don't be critical about this church. Whether you're new or you've been here for a long time, please don't be critical about this church. Progress is not the same as perfection. No, I'm not perfect, so it's never going to be perfect. By the way, you're not perfect, so it's never going to be perfect. But we, there is demonstrable evidence that we are making progress. Thank God for it. And you've been helped by it. It's a blessing. Progress. I've been helped by it. Have you ever, did you ever come home? Or you're, you're out with your friends or your parents got home and you thought, man, my parents are going to be so pleased with what I've done. And then they remind you of the 18 other things that you haven't done. <laughs> you ever felt that before? Oh, I did so good. I'm going to get a superstar sticker in my Bible. And then you get done talking to your parents, and it's like, oh, I did so bad. <laughs> I'm a failure. I don't get a sticker. They've got verse one, progress. Verse two, Joshua's not like, hey, good job, fellas. That's great. Joshua confronts them. Please, this is, it's not the main point, but please get this. Even in the midst of progress, we have to be willing to be confronted. Even in the midst of things going well, we have to be okay with God bringing people into our lives to say, hey, this is not the way it needs to be. Even if you find yourself in a good spot, it doesn't mean that everything is exactly like it's supposed to be. And so here they are, rightfully so, rejoicing in the progress. The land is subdued. The enemies have been vanquished. And they're all here. They're all together. The nation is assembled together with the exception of the wives and the children that have been left on the other side of Jordan with the three, the two and a half tribes that were mentioned. The representatives are all here. And the tabernacle is being set up. And it's a time of, it's a time of great rejoicing. And, and people are just excited about what is going on. And Joshua looks at the leaders of these tribes and goes, y'all have really slacked up in some areas. How long, he says in verse number three, how long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? It, there, there were seven tribes, as it says in the text, that still had not received their inheritance. Now you can go back to Joshua chapter 1 and you can see where the Lord clearly states to Joshua, you're going to divide this land for an inheritance. But based on Joshua's response, there was an understanding that it wasn't just about his leadership, that at some point people have to take initiative and responsibility for themselves. No, get it. This needs to be a place where through the preaching and ministry of this, of this church, you can be helped. But at some point, you got to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. And you can't, you can't anchor your spiritual growth to a person outside of Jesus Christ. Does God use people to help us at different seasons and along the ways? Does he, along the way, does he use people? Yes. Does God use a pastor who tries to walk with God and who tries to preach his word? Does God use that to help us over the course of our entire life? Yes. But your faith and your obedience to him cannot be dependent upon any other human being. At some point, you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, God, help me to own my own relationship with you. Help me to own my obedience to you. And when there's an area that's not as it should be, to look yourself in the mirror and be honest and say, I've got to stop blaming everyone else for this. And I've got to admit, I've, let some, I've slacked off in some areas that I really need to tighten up. How long are you slack to go? The actual definition of the word slack means a lack of firmness or motion or activity, inactive. Like the chalk line not being held tightly, 
the land wasn't being possessed. Oh, man. I, I'm going to reference what Brother Mark said in just a moment. God doesn't give us what he gives us so we can just sit back and say, hey, this is pretty cool. Now, I need you to get it. I need you to get this. Because he said something that burns, that burns in my heart as a pastor. I don't know when this gets to come to fruition for us. I've told you about it. I'm telling you. No, God doesn't just want to use that work to see churches started or to send people out. God wants to use this church. And we, we need to be involved in that by supporting missionaries. But God doesn't just give us this so we can sit back and drink coffee and say, man, it's pretty cool to have these song services. And man, it's great to constantly be meeting new people. And we love the vibe and we love the energy and it's exciting. No, God didn't give them the land just so that they could sit back and say, wow, high five, fist bump, hashtag, this is awesome. He gave them the land to do something with it. Look, I know I'm, I know I'm passionate about this, but you got to please. Please, people of God, we're not given so much so that we can just say, yeah, this is cool. We are meant to possess it. That's the series. This series is called Possess Your Land, meaning go live in the land, go till up the ground, go plant some crops, go raise your children, go raise your, go inspire your grandchildren, go inspire your neighbors to follow God, come back and offer the right sacrifices, raise your cattle, build your lives around the worship and service of me, that the nations might look to this nation and see the evidence of what God can do. I haven't given you this land just so you can sit around and say, man, this is really cool. No, it's okay to take that and enjoy it for a moment. It's okay every now and then to come up beside your brother or your sister and say, isn't it amazing what God is doing? But we can't live there because he has given it to us so that we can do something with it. And yet, you know what happens? We get slack. No, it's, it's not that we're, think in terms of a chalk line and cutting a sheet of plywood. It's not that we're on the wrong piece of wood and it's not even that we're in the wrong place. We're just not paying as much attention to it as we need to. And we get slack. And he looks at them. Listen, we're almost to the application. Stay with me. He looks at them, and this is the statement. If you remain slack, you are in danger of squandering what God has given you. If you're slack, you might squander because God didn't bring you here just to hang out and say, hey, this is cool. He meant for you to do something with that land. But if you don't get out there, if you don't go into those areas, if you don't live in those tribes, the weeds are going to take over. Wild animals are going to take over. Enemies that are defeated are going to begin to regain strength. And they are going to begin to pillage and to plunder. And battles that you've already fought, please, is this making sense? Battles that you've already fought, you're going to have to fight again. Not because the enemy was too strong, but because you neglected to possess it like you should have. And so you win a battle today, but then you get slack. And you're having to fight the same battle a few years down the road. Because you loosened up in areas you didn't need to loosen up in. You know what happens? You squander. If you slack... You squander. This is an important difference. I'm, I thank God for this thought. Please get this. Slack isn't intentional like rebellion. I believe this is an important, important contrast to make. Specifically in their context, remember the generations before them. We're not going in that land. I'm not trying to dog on them today. I want you to get this. The, no, the generation before said, we're not going in the land. That wasn't slack. You know what that was? That was defiance. You with me? Does it make sense? This is important that we get this. This wasn't them digging in their heels and saying, I'm not doing that. I'm not eating that. I'm not going there. I'm not touching that. I'm not being a part of that. We're going to die. You don't really love us. Why can't we go back to a land of freedom and food like Egypt? I'm amazed at the logic of rebellious people. It makes no sense. 
No, this is what I think I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to think I'm doing. And why? The goodness of God in a perfect plan is right before you. Instead of complicating your life further and living in ambiguity, why don't you just humble yourself before God and take what he's put right in front of you? No, that was rebellion. This isn't rebellion. Please get it. This isn't, this isn't, no, I'm not doing that. You know what it is? We've just gotten comfortable. We're just, this is a good spot. I like it. But even though it's not rebellion, it's still sin. You know why? Because they weren't possessing the land like God had said to possess it. And because it was sin, it still had evil consequences. Like what? Well, do you remember what I just said? You're going to have to fight battles again that you already fought. The land's been prepared for you to be productive, but you're going to miss out on that, and you're going to have to do a whole lot of extra work to get it back up to where it is now if you don't go in to possess it. So why do we slack? Let me just give you three things. Number one, we get complacent. We make progress. It's like, yeah, we've made progress. We, get, we become intoxicated with our own success that we fail to realize that we have areas in our lives that need further growth. I love, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some very pointed application. Please get comfortable enough to listen without falling asleep. Listen, listen. I'm thankful that my children are moving in a generally right direction, but you, God knows Andrea and I are not sitting back at home going, yep, nailed it. <laughs> you know what we sit at home and do? Oh, God, be merciful. Because you know, you know my wife. <laughs> Just making sure you're paying attention. You know, you know how flawed I am as a dad. You see, you, you, God, you see their tendencies. Man, but we, we just kind of like, man, we get intoxicated. That can happen to a church family. Look, I don't, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. We can become complacent as a church because we enjoy blessing, we enjoy success. And by the way, I will not stop saying this. We, don't, we enjoy some things here that not every other church is getting to enjoy. And you're like, oh, this is going on everywhere. No, it's not. You, you just haven't been around enough to know that this, this, it's happening in other places, but this spirit and this genuine effort to love God and to preach his word and to love people, this is not the norm everywhere. I'm telling you, I wish it was. I'm not, this isn't a proud statement, but we get complacent. We get intoxicated. We're like, man, this is just, and it almost gets easy. And we just forget there's still battles that we need to be aware of. Complacent. Here's another word. I hope the distinction makes sense. We get comfortable. We just, we just like it. It's, and it's, isn't it good when life is fun? It's, this is good. Mina, are you okay? Audrey, are you okay? Gretchen, you good? I'm probably sweating on y'all right now. Deal with it. No, it's just, man, this is, do you, listen, you ever, you ever go home to, you ever go home to your husband or your wife and like, man, it's just fun right now. Okay, Brother Scott does. Thank you. <laughs> He's going to be giving a marriage class tonight, so. <laughs> you ever hang out with your kids and like, that, how many of you ever live in fear of taking your kids out to eat in public? <laughs> I've got classes for you. But you go out to eat and like you don't your kids don't burn down the restaurant and you don't have a bunch of people staring at you and they you know how the little kids go through buffet lines, they they like they feel like they need to stick their hands in all the things and like I'm gonna get this like I do at home and because you haven't trained them at home, they're just living like they do at home and they're doing all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then you get out of one unscathed and you're like, that went surprisingly well. It's fun to be a dad. It's fun to be married to you and to be a mom and to have these kids. You know what it's like to have fun at church? No, I'm not talking about in a carnal way. Like, man, it was good at church today. Look, I don't know if you noticed it. The singing was really good this morning. 
the special was good. The offertory was good. Man, it's just good. You, ask Brother Mark about the singing. It was good. You get up on this platform and you hear people projecting their voices, praising God. And I give each one of you the benefit of the doubt. I assume that you're singing with energy because you love him. And I'm not worried about your motive because I assume your motive is to praise God. And I'll try to remind you of it. But man, it's just fun sometimes. No, he's worthy. I'm mindful to try to be reverent, but it's just fun. And you see people here, and you see people excited, and you see people responsive. And it's just fun to get to be a part of it. We just get comfortable. This is kind of nice. It's like you go, you tell your wife. Guys, you get home, you tell your wife, look, I know you have a list of things that I need to do. I'm just going to sit in this recliner for like five minutes. That's all I need, babe. And like a loving wife, she's like, sure, take five minutes. And then five minutes goes by, and you're like, man, this is just so good. I just, I, I just babe, I, some sweet tea would really refresh me completely. <laughs> and then you fall asleep with tea right here. And it's just, you know what happens? You just got comfortable. One more thing. You ready? We know how hard it was to get there. And we're afraid of how hard it is going to be to keep progressing. Hey, one battle, one victory only opens the door to more effort and challenges and opportunities. But you know what all of them involve? Effort. You never are going to reach the point in this life where effort is not a part of the equation. We can become slack. As a church, we can become slack. Please, please stay engaged. I just, I want to talk to you about a few of these things, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. We can become slack as a church. It, it, sometimes we go through these seasons, and we have here, and I don't, I don't even know if you're paying attention to it, but we, we, you can just have so many new people that you forget that there are many churches who don't see new people in two years. Like they have a guest come through the door and it's like a party because they forgot what a guest feels like. I told you I preached at a church a few weeks ago where I literally heard members of a church make this statement. Did you hear that baby cry during the service? We remember what it was like to have children around here. No, did you hear that singing? We remember what it used to be like when our church sang like that. No, it, it gets so easy that we can become slack. And here's what that looks like. We stop taking the praise of God seriously. We forget that if people start taking God's praise casually, that God's not obligated to work here. No, he inhabits the praise of his people. But if you think that God's just going to show up and do what he does because we're so amazing, you misunderstand who he is. And I don't care. You're not always going to feel excited about it. But he is always worthy of intentional effort to praise him. And there should never be a service, whether it's on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, when we assemble to sing and you don't sing with all of your heart. No, I get it. We don't always feel it. But he's always worthy of it. We can, we, can, we can become slack because we take praising him for granted. And we take the effort for granted. And we get comfortable and we start to look around instead of keeping our focus upward. Can I encourage you with this? There is no magic number. It doesn't matter how full, how empty. Our focus is always to be on him. Praise him. We get slack as a church in how we deal with guests. Look, I, this cannot become an excuse. There, Pastor, there's just so many people. Congratulations. You can't, you can't love everybody or interact with them. You can't love everybody. You can't interact with everybody the same way every single Sunday. But you can interact with somebody. And we're not going to use it as an excuse how crowded it is, how many new people there are, how we don't know everybody's names. You may not know everybody's names. So can I encourage you with this? Get to know one family's name that you don't yet know. And then after you get it down, get to know somebody else's name. And make sure you shake somebody's hand that you don't know. And introduce yourself. And if you have to ask them their names over and over and over again, swallow your pride don't take it for granted and get to know one another. We're not using it as an excuse. We can get slack. We get slack with the preaching. Yeah, this is just, this is just what happens everywhere. 
No, what you got to hear last Sunday is not what people get to hear everywhere, they, everywhere you can go. The kind of preaching and teaching that goes on at this church isn't happening in every place. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not patting Brother Adam on the back or anyone else that's filled it or does fill this pulpit. I'm simply making the statement that you have something precious and you can just come and you can sit down and you can hear the eternal word that's been laid over, labored over and prayed over and it almost becomes an entertainment. Wow, I really like listening to him preach. It's not about listening to him preach. It's about hearing from God so that he can work in your life and help you Monday through Saturday, but you cease to be responsive to him. You get slack. We can get slack in our attendance. We can get slack in our involvement. We can let a thousand other things become a priority to us. We get slack. And you can think about, some of you can think about, there was a time when you were holding that line a little tighter and you've loosened up. We can get slack in marriage. 21 years, baby. By the way, Andrea turned 41 while we were gone. We're going to sing happy birthday to her tonight. Just because I can. Brother Nate, please take care of that. I'll forget about it. Been married 21 years. Hey, no, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. I've got a trip, the Lord and his grace. We had to cancel a trip because I did something dumb and broke my elbow. I got it rescheduled. Later on in the fall, I'm going to be taking my wife away. I want to apologize for that, but I can't apologize for that because she was my wife. She is my wife, and I love her. And you know what I'm in danger of doing? Loosening the line on valuing her. And I can't be a good pastor if I'm not a good husband. I feel it sometimes. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not apologizing to you. I'm simply saying I just feel I can let it go. And there's some wives in here you can take your husband for granted. And no, I know he's not perfect, and I know the socks still never get where they're supposed to go. And I know the little habits that you used to think were adorable are now like sandpaper on your bare soul. I get it. Like, oh, that's so cute. I love it when new couples are just so infatuated. Like, oh, it's like the job application. I just love him too much, and I'm just too pale. Oh, there's coming a day, honey. <laughs> to all of those who are about to be married, he may be amazing. <laughs> it's not always going to be like that. <laughs> I do counseling down the road, and I'm like, he's the same guy that he was when you married him. What's your problem? That's, I'm joking right now. That's not real counseling. I don't, that's how I say it. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Sorry. I'm enjoying myself too much right now. No, but you can take your husband for granted. Sometimes wives forget just how amazing it is to have a husband that just works hard at a job over and over and over and over again. Just a good dude making money for his family and you forget how amazing that is. And you become more critical than you are affirming. There's some husbands, you've let, the, you've let it go on your wife. And you forget how amazing it is to have a woman in the world who values you above everyone else. And when she looks at you, she loves you. And what she wants most is to know that you love her as much in this moment as you ever have. And yet you've let some things slip. You don't say thank you anymore. You don't take her in your arms and hold her and say, look, I just need you to know that you are as beautiful to me today as you have ever been. By the way, can I give some dads some free advice? Your kids need to see you show the right kind of measured intentional physical affection to their mom. No, I get it. Those things can be, that can be taken too far. I'm not being weird, but your children need to know what it's like to have a dad who loves on their mom. You know, I want my kids to know this. I love your mom the best. No, I love you. I would die for all of you, but I pick her first. <laughs> and you ask my children, that doesn't create insecurity. You know what that creates? Security. Because they know their mom and dad are on the same page, but some of you dads have let it go. Some of you parents have made progress, but you've gotten slack. 
this can happen with parenting. What happens is we deal with some things, and then isn't it amazing the first time your child obeyed? (laughs) Do you remember that? I'm going to make fun of Brother Matt Marshall. His kids still haven't obeyed him. (laughs) He did something to me this morning. He he deserves that, so it's okay. (laughs) He was messing with me this morning. No, you remember what it was like the first time your kid obeyed without throwing a fit? And it almost shocked you. I didn't know this was possible. (laughs) Like, pastor's not been lying to us all this time. They can just do what they're supposed to do. And then you get comfortable with it. Can I encourage you with this? Just because you have success in one area is your kids have a long way to go. But you know what happens? We get tired. We get complacent. We don't want to keep fighting the same battles over and over again. Please hear me. You've, let the, you've slacked up in your parenting. Some of you have slacked up on your walk with God. Man, you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be in, in those moments of draw me nearer. And this, is, this is true. You, you know this is true. That, that you, can, you can walk with him and you can see him work and then you just, you get so busy. The motion, is, it, it preoccupies so much. And, and the demands, it preoccupies you so much that you forget, I don't just need to, I don't even need primarily to be in this book so I can feed you. I need to be in this book so he can feed me. And just, we're about transparency here. There's times as a pastor where I realize, man, I've slacked up on this. Not even in the motion but in what's motivating me in the motion. Like, God, I don't want to be here just so I can say that I've been here. I don't want to be here so that I only, just so that I have something to say to your people so that you can say something through me. I want to want to be here. Did you get that? I want to want because sometimes even the want to can fluctuate. I want to want to be with you because I love you, because you are the greatest thing about my life, and yet we can slack up. And when you slack up on your walk with God, you're going to lose ground in every other area of your life. You slack up on some old habits. You took progress for granted, and you let influences back into your life that you know have no business being there. You're like, nah, I can handle this now. You slack up. If you slack up, you're in danger of squandering what God has given you. As a church, we can't slack up. Every Sunday has to be met. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Sunday school, every Wednesday, whatever we do, it has to be met with deliberate passion and intensity. Why? Because we can't slack up. You know why? There are people that need to get saved. There are people that need to be helped. There is work that needs to be done. There are churches that need to be planted. There are things that need to happen here. No, I believe that God has us here because he's doing something really amazing. I don't know exactly what all that looks like, but I see people's lives being helped and changed, and I know it's a great work. We just can't slack up. Your marriages can be good. Just tighten some things up. You can keep making progress with your kids. Tighten some things up. And I, can I just, I'm just trying to be honest with you. Can I, can, I, can I be honest with you and you not hold it against me? There have been times I've had to apologize to my kids. We shouldn't have watched that. And dad just let things get a little too loose, and I'm sorry. Some of you may need to have some conversations like that. slack up, you're in danger of squandering. So what's the solution? You ready? Tighten up. I can hear it. I can hear it. Tighten that line. Pull it tighter. Lock it down. Pop the string. It makes a decisive mark that you can follow clearly and make it, take the right actions to accomplish the goal. You know what they did? They said, you're right. And they went. You know what they did? They tightened up. I'm not preaching this so that you can live in the past. And No. You know what I'm saying? Tighten up. Tighten up. Maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's a small thing. Get to the altar. If God has dealt with you, just say, hey, I need to tighten this up. I need to get it dealt with right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.
If we slack, we are in danger of squandering. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's, maybe it's distraction and burden that you can't necessarily control. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if there would be any of God's people that would raise their hand and say, there are some areas that God dealt with me about this morning that I know I've slacked up in. It could be my marriage. It could be my personal walk with the Lord. It could be my involvement here raising my kids. It could be teens. I meant to say this and I didn't. It could be your attitude at home. It, it's not that you're not obeying, but you're just, you're not obeying with the right attitude. And you've just let some discord creep into your heart. I wonder if there'd be anyone that would raise their hand and say, Pastor, I have, I have slacked in some areas and I need God's help to tighten some things up and I need God's help. Would you just raise your hand and say, yep, that's me. I said, all over the place. Can we do this? Can we do what they did in Joshua 18? Joshua challenged them and they responded. God has challenged you this morning. God has. So let's respond to him. I don't, I don't know what the future holds. I just know that it's in danger of being squandered if we don't live our lives with deliberate intent. And if we're not willing to take responsibility and to say, I need to, and when I, when I'm, when I realize I've slacked, I need to tighten. And, and when I'm holding tight and I'm tired, I need God's grace. When I'm comfortable, I need to thank him for the blessing, but be tight and be consistent. Respond to him this morning. Father, would you help us? Lord, you know I need your help. I've, I've confessed things to you. And, and Lord, it won't be the last time I have to work through this. It's just a, it's a ebb and flow. But God, help us to develop the mindset of holding fast, paying attention to what you've given to us. You gave us all of this to possess it, and yet we can become slack with it, and that comes with generational consequences. All we have to do, Father, thank you for reminding me of this. All we have to do is look at the book of Judges and see the consequences of growing slack. So Lord, help us to see, even if we're not feeling the immediate consequence, there are far-reaching generational consequences to growing slack. If you get slack, you're in danger of squandering. So help your people this morning to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. Brother Nate, you please sing. If God has spoken to your heart, respond to him. Don't wait. Brother Nate will start singing. You respond to the Lord.